Um, that's kind of the point where we've left it at right now is that Jesus got owies on his hands and his feet and he, he got them for you and he got them for me and that's kind of where we've left it there. But it's just been so interesting at my home having to articulate often what this week is about for the past like two or three weeks. Because Easter is a holiday that can seem to kind of go and, and get passed by pretty easily. But as, as you know, um, last week, Christy, you led the Palm Sunday Hosanna thing in here, right? Well, that, that night, put her to bed, and for like 20 minutes, she's just screaming, Hosanna, 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 in her bed. I'm watching on the monitor. She's still so excited. Jesus is showing up. And, and so I, we're getting to articulate and tell these, uh, tell these details of the Easter story to her and, and their intent and their purpose um, but we're, we're getting to do this, and you know what? I, she is just fixated on the cross. And like I said, we leave it at Jesus got always for you and me, but, but like once or twice a day, she wants me to read from the kid's Bible about this, this moment on the cross. And it reminds me of when I was a kid at Los Altos Grace Brethren. I, I remember they had this big wooden cross at the back of the stage, and when I was a kid in main service, often kind of zoning out, but, but I would find myself just fixating on that cross, just staring at it. I mean, a long time before I had any conceptions of, of holiness, I could just tell that there was something significant about this fixture on the back wall. I could sense just a, a, a weight to it that could be felt. And tonight, this is what we're doing. We're looking at the cross. We are experiencing its weight. We are experiencing its value, and we are letting it do a work in us. You know, as you read the Gospels, Jesus is the only one who has the cross in his mind uh, as the destination. The disciples don't know where they're going, but Jesus knows, and and occasionally he even tries to reveal this to them. The earliest one we find in John chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. He says, No one has ascended into heaven except the one who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. He's recalling the story when the Israelites had, had fled Egypt and they're wandering in the desert for 40 years. It comes out in Numbers uh, 21. We'll read it in a second. But at one point, the, the people of Israel have abandoned God. They, they've lost hope in God, and they start complaining. They start complaining about God, and they start complaining about Moses. Read this in, in 21.5, Numbers 21.5. It says, The people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we detest this miserable food. I love that sentence of like, wait, you said there's no food, but you detest the miserable food. So clearly there's, there's food, it's just you're, you're sick of it. And, and if you know the food they're referring to is, is manna. I'm sorry you are, you are tired of eating miracle bread that falls from the sky and, and quail that just come flying in and, and, and just uh, die at your feet for you to eat. Um, so it, it's so interesting when we read this, and it's easy just to kind of trivialize it as that, but I think we do the same. That comment of there's no food, and we detest this miserable food. You know, when we, when we start to question our hardship in life. God, why, why, why is everything hard for me? Forgetting the blessings that you have received. 
So we too find ourselves in this situation, the same mindset of this, this complaining, this, this losing track of our blessing, and, uh, and God allows these poisonous snakes to come into the camp. So he says, hey, if you want to try to do this without me, let's see how this goes. These poisonous snakes come to the camp. The people then cry out to Moses, send them away. And then verse uh, 8 through 9 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten shall look at it and live. So Moses made a serpent of bronze and put it on a pole. And whenever the serpent bit someone, the person would look at the serpent of bronze and live. Now, I want you to think about what's involved for those people who are looking up at that serpent of bronze, this metal snake, snake on the end of a pole. Put yourself in their shoes. Think about what is involved in looking up at that. First of all, you have to admit that you are not okay. You have to admit that you need help. Second of all, you have to acknowledge that it is your sin that puts you in the situation where you need help. And then lastly, is you have to submit that God is your only hope. And I think it's powerful and beautiful that Jesus gives his disciples this imagery of what's to come to him. That as the snake was risen on this pole, so Christ would be risen on a cross. And we go through that same dynamic as we gaze at the cross. You can view it as just a static piece of wall decor uh, that tells a story, but that's not what it is. The cross is dynamic. It is somehow convicting and liberating all at the same time. And that's part of the process I want to sit in tonight. That the cross is somehow convicting and liberating all at the same time. And it's important that we hold both of those in a good balance. Because as we look at the cross, it forces us to see ourselves, the world, and God in it. Ultimately, what I'm saying tonight is that the cross is a mirror. The cross is a mirror. It's not a static piece that just tells a story. It is something that is actively causing you to reflect, actively convicting and actively liberating. The cross functions as a mirror. It functions as a mirror to us in that often it reflects the worst in us. When I see the cross, when I think about what Christ did individually, it reveals my sin that made the cross necessary. And corporately, if we think from a human race, we, we read the story that Christy shared, and we see that God in the flesh arrives before the people, and what do they shout? Crucify him. From a macro level, it tells that story of, the, of people denying God, their salvation. And once again, individually it reveals our sins that made the cross necessary. But the cross also is a mirror as it reflects not just the worst in us, but it reflects the best in God. The ability to show his strength in his humility as the suffering servant. Let me give an illustration that explains this. Um, so I mentioned already my daughter Zoe. She's going through a lot of changes right now. We had a, another daughter. And so in the midst of her terrible twos, we, we now remove her from the pedestal of all of mom and dad's attention to now a minimal of mom and dad's attention. And uh, it, it, it's been rough. She's been going through these changes, and she's been acting out, and she's, she's been hitting for the first time I, that, I, that she never hit before, you know, and she's just testing everything. 
you know, she, she'll kick the dog, and okay, don't, don't kick Kona, and then, and then she'll kind of like, like, like this, well, so then you have to define, okay, well, that's not kicking, but just, just don't, don't touch her with your foot, and then she'll do one of those, I'm not touching, you know, I'm just getting real, real close, now, Zoe is at fault in this, that I can tell you, right, in, uh, in so much of what's going on, in these changes that we're experiencing at home, Zoe is at fault, I promise you. However, what's being tested is not Zoe. It's me. My character is being tested. My patience is being tested and is found wanting, right? In the cross, it reflects, it serves as a mirror, it reflects our iniquities that made the cross necessary, but it also reflects the best of God. It shows the strength of his character that he is able to show through his humility. He is able to take that abuse. It's the call of the parent to see the bigger picture, right? When, when Zoe is, is kicking me or the dog or, or whatever, or her little sister sometimes, it is, it is my task as the parent to see the bigger picture, to see her in line with her development and not get caught up and lose my patience this moment, but to keep her whole development in mind, which, once again, I often fail to do. Sarah does a much better job than, than I do at that. But this is what God does. God's humility is so great that he is willing to take this suffering from us and for us because he sees the bigger picture in mind. He sees a reconciled relationship between you and him and the cost of the punishment for your mistakes makes it worthwhile. He wants to be in relationship with you so bad, not just in heaven, but here on this earth. And he has that strength of character that he is able in humility to take that suffering if that's what it cost. Because his love for us is so important to him that that's what it costs. In 1 Peter verse 2, you get an example of this. It says, He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. That's, that's what I need to remember when I'm facing the abuse of Zoe. When he was abused, he did not return abuse. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that free from sin, we might live for righteousness. But his wounds, you, by his wounds, you have been healed. For you were going astray like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the guardian of your souls. He does this out of the strength of his character. He loves you so much he is able to, in his humility, take the suffering of a Roman execution tool out of the strength of his character if that's what the cost is to reconcile you with him. So the cross, it functions like a mirror to all of us. And if it functions like a mirror, then I would like to ask you personally, individually, how do you see yourself? in the reflection of the cross. When you hear the Good Friday story, 
When you hear the story of, the, of, of Jesus' torture and execution, how do you see yourself in that story? That is the task of this surface, service. This service is meant to slow down and reflect and not just jump to Easter, but to slow down and make sure that we are seeing ourselves in light of the cross. The service is the appetizer, really, of the main course that's, that's to come. So do you see your role in the cross, and do you see God's role in it as well? Do you ignore your guilt that makes the cross necessary, or have you never left your guilt? That's, that's the, the perfect little balance there, because I think both those answers are, 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 are unhealthy. Both those answers are incomplete. When you hear the story of Christ on the cross, are you so overcome by guilt that you never move past the cross in reflection to Easter? Or do you jump to Easter and completely forget and ignore your iniquity that has made that possible? And that is what we do today on Good Friday. We are meant to process this, we are meant to reflect on it, and yet we're, we're meant to move on to Easter at the same time, though. We are meant to slow down and focus on our dependency for Christ, on, on the reality of our sin, and yet remember the whole time that we are defined by God's grace and not by the sin. You are defined by what Christ did on Easter Sunday, not on Good Friday. You know, um, my, my wife and I are doing premarital with a couple right now. We, we've done this every once in a while. She's a marriage and family therapist, and, and I'm a handful. So between the two of us, we, we, we bring some, you know, some, some experience. But um, we were in this session this past week, and my wife said something that was so fascinating to me. She was saying, in the cycles of a relationship, there is rupture and repair. And you, you know this. As you go through the year or through the week, you will experience moments of rupture in the relationship, estrangement, uh, fighting, differences. You'll feel disconnected. There's rupture, but then there's also repair. When you come back together, when you learn from that, when you seek to build a healthier relationship through that. And that's such a good way to think about Good Friday and Easter. It is the rupture which our sin made necessary and it's the repair of God conquering death. Rupture without repair will lead to estrangement from God, right? If you just focus on, on, on all that you have done that, that, that makes you not worthy of God's grace and you stay there, then you're just experiencing this rupture without this repair in your relationship with God and we're not meant to. And repair without rupture will just lead to an abuse of God's grace. If you heard the message of, repair, of grace and you say, yeah, sure. So you're saying, anything I do, God just forgives. You say, yeah, yes, but, but you should learn from that. And out of your love for God, you should become more, more obedient and a better follower of Christ. And you say, no, no, I'm good with the repair piece. I got that blank check at the end of grace. In our relationship with God, there is this rupture and there is this repair. And that's what we do once again here on Good Friday. We slow down, we look at the cross, we, we recognize the rupture in our relationship. 
We recognize the, the ways that we have fallen short in our lives. We recognize the ways that we have hurt God and questioned God and pulled away from God. And we process it. We remember it. And then we step into grace freely. One of my favorite verses in, in all of scripture is Jude verses 24 and 25. It's a famous passage called the doxology. And if you ever are struggling to move from, from rupture to repair, if you're ever struggling to get past your iniquity, your sin, and step into the grace of God, which, which we see all the time, we have had people who come to the church, and from day one they come in saying, I shouldn't even be a part of a place like this. You don't know what I've done. I shouldn't be a part of a place like this. And unfortunately, we've seen a couple people like that who keep saying that every week, every week, and finally they just stop coming because they view that they are not worthy to deserve to be in a community of people like this. That's not healthy. We experience the cross. We recognize that rupture. We see our role in it. And then we step into grace. This verse Jude 24 through 25. This has always found comfort in my heart whenever I am overcome with my own rupture in my relationship with God. I remember this. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, speaking of Christ, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. I love that because he says, presents you blameless before the presence of his glory with great what? Joy. Christ isn't at the, the, the you know, gates of heaven saying, yeah, he kind of squeaks by. I guess he accepted Christ at camp that one time. Okay, fine, let's let him in, right? It fills him with joy. Nothing makes God happier than getting to reconcile with you. So yes, today we focus on the rupture in our relationship with God. We remember the times that we have walked away from God. Why? It's so that the grace that we celebrate on Sunday is so much sweeter. We, we remember the rupture that makes the repair so precious. And we reflect on the rupture to seek out the decaying remains within ourselves. If we just keep saying, hey, I'm completely forgiven by God, nothing I do matters, then the decaying remains of, uh, of that, that, that sinful self continue in our lives. But when we focus on the cross and, and the work of the cross and our part in the cross and making it necessary, we see that grace is so precious and so beautiful and we desire to weed it out of our life. And then lastly is the repair. When we focus on the repair, which we will we'll do on Sunday, when we focus on, on that God did this to reunite us with him, that we can stand up tall in the grace of God, knowing that he sees us blameless with great joy. We, we are reaffirmed in our identity through the work of Christ. 
And lastly, we worship God for his unrelenting pursuit of us. Hebrews 9, 13, and 14 is a good passage to, to focus on as we start to wrap up for this, as we focus on that repair in our relationship with God, the repair that we celebrate on Sunday because of the work that was done on Friday. In, verse nine, in chapter 9, it reads, For if the blood of goats and bulls with a sprinkling of ashes of the heifer sanctify those who have been defiled, so that their flesh is purified, saying the high priests who are going into the, the holy of holies, the inner part of the temple, if it is these, this blood from these sacrificial animals, cleanse his flesh enough that they can enter. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God? I want to focus on two things in that last piece. Purify our conscience. I said earlier that I think it's unhealthy if you, if you have um, only a one-sided view of that rupture and repair. If you look at the cross and you only see your sin and you only see everything that makes you not enough, you do not have a healthy conscience. Or if you see that, that cross and you see this blank check just gift of grace to just do whatever you want because God's going to forgive you, you do not have a healthy conscience. The work of this cross, reflecting on it, purifies our conscience. And then lastly is that worshiping the living God, from dead works to worship the living God. This is why Good Friday is so important. We don't just step into Sunday and, and sing of God's grace lightly. We step into Sunday and we sing of God's grace because we remember what we were saved from. You know, uh, a couple times in my life I've had um, the, the pleasure of getting to work with people who are in substance abuse. And one of the most incredible things about that is they know their previous life. And they've got a strong line of when that changed. And that's a good illustration. It's a good image. If every day they wake up and say, I'm not an addict, and allow themselves to use, they're in denial. But if they, if they recognize where they've come from, and they praise God for the rescue in their life, they understand and appreciate and are moved to worshiping the living God so much easier. And it's the same with our sin. It's the same with your sin. You were fallen. You were distant from God. He rescued you from that. We're going to begin to uh, take communion in a second during this last song of worship. And this is going to be a moment just of reflection. You can grab the communion elements and go back to your seat. You can gaze at the cross and you can see yourself in it first. What is my sin that has made the cross necessary? And then second, we see the reflection of God's grace in that. That says, thank God, we're moved to worship. Thank God that you found me worth suffering the cross to bring me back into your arms. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, this, 
This grace that we experience through Easter is, is incredible. But Lord, it's all the sweeter when we are reminded of what we were saved from. Let us not just casually shout salvation without remembering what it was that we were saved from. So tonight, as we focus on the cross, this grotesque image of torture and of death, Lord, we, we look at that. We gaze upon that and see our role in it. But we also recognize it as this beautiful act of repair. You loved us enough to make that worth it. Lord, I pray that we all experience that rupture and repair tonight. We recognize our distance from you. And we praise you for bringing us back. In Jesus' name, amen.